Hey mama, my name's Diana Ballard and welcome to the Mom Training Podcast. Prior to becoming a mom, I realized that if I wanted to continue living a life of passion, adventure, and fulfillment, I needed to learn from people who lived that way while having a family. In 2012, I started interviewing any mom that would talk to me. After hundreds of interviews, I found a pattern that the moms who struggled less all had similar foundational skill sets, mindsets, and habits. I started Mom Training, our live workshops, and the Mom Training podcast to continue my research process in a way that included other moms and families. My goal is to help other moms increase their joy, love, and fulfillment by creating an environment where we can learn and thrive together. Come learn the skill sets and strategies for a happy home, peaceful relationships, inspiration to be your best self, and more than enough time to do what you love while enjoying your family. Welcome to the Mom Training Community, where we learn, cry, and laugh together as we navigate motherhood. I'm Diana, and I'm so happy that you're here with me. Hey, ladies, welcome to the Mom Training Podcast. We're going to talk about our pelvic floor and what we all need to know about kegels, how to strengthen that pelvic floor, and why it's so important to do so. So today, I have with me Pauline Hannon. And she is the owner of Beyond the V Physical Therapy Clinic. And she is going to teach us a little bit about how we can really take care of that pelvic floor and why we should do it now and continue to strengthen our pelvic floor so that we have health in our pelvic area for years to come. So Pauline, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I love talking about the pelvic floor. (laughs) Awesome. We're excited to learn. So why don't you first tell us a little bit more about yourself and like your journey of how you got to where you were? Sure. So I always knew I was going to be a physical therapist. It just, um, that part of the story, I don't think is any different than anyone else's. And when I, when I went into physical therapy school, I just was convinced that I was going to be a pediatric physical therapist. And when we had our first experience working with kiddos, I kept, I don't want to say getting in trouble, but I kept getting redirected. Polly, you're not mothering them. You need to do therapy. And it just kept being a theme over and over. And I remember that night thinking, I'm going to be an outstanding mother. I am not going to be a great pediatric physical therapist. And prior to me even going to physical therapy school, I had had a lot of, and I'm using air quotes, like hip pain that the clinic I was working at, they were very helpful or trying to be helpful to help me manage this hip pain. And one of the new graduates actually made a comment and asked me about my periods and if I had problems with tampon placement. And I remember thinking, um, totally inappropriate for you to be asking me these questions. And it turns out years later, she ended up being correct that I did have endometriosis, which is what she was sus- suspecting at the time. And I, I had had a bunch of follow-up conversations with her. And so at that time, when I realized I am not going to be a pediatric physical therapist working with kids, my brain reverted back to that conversation with her in the sense, because why did no other experienced physical therapist happen to bring this up? And so I spent some time with a women's health physical therapist thinking that all women's health physical therapy had to do was with um, women after they had had mastectomies or they've had part of their breast removed after breast cancer. And I got lucky enough while in physical therapy school to have a specialty rotation. It's a lot more common now, but I'm getting old and they, it wasn't really a thing back then. And I remember thinking, yes, I get to spend all this time with these lovely women and hear about, you know, their fight with cancer and how they're coming out better at the, at the end of it. And turns out it was actually all pelvic floor. And this was all at the women's hospital in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I remember thinking again, oh my gosh, this is so inappropriate. Why are we talking about all these things? And the, the two that remain most prominent in my mind, there was a grandmother that wanted to be able to watch her grandson. He was the first one in their family ever to graduate from high school or from college, but he was actually graduating from medical school down in Tulane in new Orleans, which just was, I think it was like a two hour drive or so. And she couldn't because she had so much leakage. And then the other woman, um, 
she had so much pain with intimacy. She just wanted to know, is this something that she could expect for the rest of her life? Could she get better or should she just let her husband continue um, having relationships with other women because it just was too painful for her? And so it was pretty prominent and clear to me that, well, yeah, there's answers to fix all of this. So it really doesn't matter about me. Like it didn't have anything to do with me and me thinking it was inappropriate or whatever. And so I remember having a a couple of moments thinking like, this isn't about me. Think about these women. And these two stories stick out to me just because they were some of my first introductions, but that's what led me to becoming a pelvic floor physical therapist because there's answers and having issues with your pelvic floor affects so many areas of your life especially as a mother. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. I, it it made me think about like, so I've had four kids and after this fourth kid, I was like, I, I really should probably go get my pelvic floor checked out just because I mean, after having four kids and you know, it it just puts a lot of pressure on there. And -hmm. I actually found that like my, my, like I was tilted, like my, Mm -hmm. my hips were tilted. And I still, I actually didn't even go back. So I totally should probably go check that out. But I, I think that a lot of us women don't realize that, you know, the tightness in our hips or like, why do I always have pain? Like in, in like my, you know, SI joints and all these different things, like, could that be connected to pelvic floor, you know? And like, are they being pulled? Like, is it too tight? Is it too loose? Like, as so <clears throat> Why don't you tell us a little bit about like what our pelvic floor does and like what it can affect? Cause I think that's going to kind of open it up for a lot of us of realizing like what it might be. Sure. That's a, that's a really good question. Um, so our pelvic floor, some of the main functions is having bowel and bladder control. So if you're having leakage of any kind that would suggest pelvic floor dysfunction, it help. It also helps to provide support, meaning that our pelvic organs that rest inside that pelvic cavity. So think your uterus, your bladder, your rectum, some of your bowels, having a strong pelvic floor should support that. So if there's prolapse or pressure, your pelvic floor should be participating better in relationship to something like that. Um, I am not sure what words I can say on here, but, um, they all, the pelvic floor also participates in intimate relationships and the pleasure associated there. And the other one that I think that gets missed so much is the stability component that the pelvic floor provides. And the way that I like to explain that is if you is to first understand the pelvis itself. Meaning if you think about like that bony structure. So when you put your hands on your hips, so to speak, it's technically not your hips. That's more your pelvis. So you have this bony ring that is your pelvis. So when you walk, when you laugh, when you run, when you move or bend over to pick the baby up in the baby carrier, that pelvis is actually responsible. I like to call it grand central station sometimes, but it's responsible for transferring load. So if you have something funky happening at your pelvis, chances are it's going to impact how your shoulders move, how what's happening at your abdominal muscles, what's happening at your knees or even your feet. And so then you consider too, with being pregnant, you have all those hormones that make everything loosey goosey and the pelvis, especially because that pelvis has to open up in order for baby to come down through that birth canal. And so all leading up to pregnancy, those nine months, that pelvis is loosey goosey. And then research has shown even up to nine months, not considering nursing or pumping, but let's just call it nine months, another nine months that that pelvis is loosey goosey. And if you're at least on your second kiddo, you're carrying another kid around probably, and you're still doing housework and doing this very various activities. So you have this joint or joints, technically there's three that we're dealing with there, but that could be loosey goosey. Well, the other part that I didn't mention yet is that we have over 80 muscles that attach to this grand central station. Not that you need to be worried about the anatomy part necessarily, but just to really understand the complexity of it. So if that pelvis is in a funky position, just like you mentioned yours was, well, then that's 80 plus muscles that are now somehow affected. Some are going to show up a little more prominent, like with back pain. Some might show up a little more prominent, like with SI joint function. 
I have a lot of women come in that talk about, well, my feet are bothering me. It might show up that, you know, if you think about, you know, down the chain or a domino effect because of how the pelvis decides where that load or weight goes. Anyways, I don't want to get too sciencey on that, on that part. So those, those are some, I would say like great indicators to kind of a understand what's happening with that pelvic floor, but to also understand it provides us a much bigger role than just, oh, I'm leaking. I should do kegels or something. There, there really is more to how the pelvic floor helps you out. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's great that you've explained that because I think most of us like, well, if I'm not leaking, if I'm not having troubles going to the bathroom, then I don't have anything wrong. Like I don't feel pressure, but again, like those muscles being tight, pulling different things, like, you know, your body being out of alignment is huge. And you're right. Your pelvis is like the middle of your body. Like it, mm-hmm. it literally has to do with everything that you do. <laughs> um, so very, very interesting. So I guess my question is, is how do we strengthen that pelvic floor? Because there's kegels, but I, I think that there's more to it. And I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. Totally. I, I don't know if I should say an, that I'm anti-kegels, but my online programs is all housed underneath my brand, No Kegels University. And the, the reason that I'll say I don't really love kegels is because if it was a true principle to just do isometric exercises, meaning that you just squeeze the muscle and relax, then why aren't personal trainers telling us that, oh, in order to get a stronger booty, then we just need to like squeeze our bum cheeks together and then relax. That That's not a true principle. Those, those, you need to do squats and lunges and add weights and do functional activities in order for those glutes to be strong. So that's I think sometimes it probably comes across that I'm anti-kegels. I just think you deserve better. We all deserve better. We deserve stronger muscles. Kegels are not the answer to get us there. But the best way I can describe the way in which we can get our pelvic floor stronger, um, I've come up with this over the years. I call it the VAB3 method. So V is for vertical, A is for above, B is for below, and three is all three planes. So vertical meaning that anytime... Yes, going back to the like leaking um, with coughing, laughing, running, jumping. But anytime our body has a downward pressure or like that vertical pressure, that pelvic floor, one of the jobs of it is to actually contract to counteract that downward pressure. So you were, most of us were able to cough, laugh, sneeze, run, jump without any leakage prior to having babies because our pelvic floor was probably plenty strong enough. But then that pelvic floor becomes weak for many reasons after having babies. And then now we leak. It, it's not that babies did it. They're, the, the pelvic floor is just not strong enough yet. So I like to have lots of vertical motion in my strengthening. So you'll be able to take the components of this and implement it, or just even add or tweak what you're already doing in your current exercise routine, which is why I like how I've been able to package this up. A is for above, meaning that if you add a load or a weight above that pelvis or above that pelvic floor, that is going to increase. Like I talked about already, the pelvis has to transfer load. If you're giving load downwards or which that's probably a little too sciencey, but my favorite example of of this is if you're going to squat, squat, and then reach overhead and then stand back up, squat, and then reach out to the side, stand back up. Because that load is changing where it's coming down and through the pelvis, that is going to tax or work that pelvic floor. So I like to add overhead activities, but A sounds better, right? So B is for below. So anytime you're working your hip, your knee, your ankle, your foot in a vertical position, I'll I'll add that disclaimer on there your pelvic floor is also having the opportunity to work. So what we know is that whatever the hip does or doesn't do, it decides what the pelvic floor does or doesn't do. Meaning if you're doing a squat, that pelvic floor is working. If you're doing a lunge, that pelvic floor is working. If you're doing like a single leg balance activity, like just standing on one leg for balance, that side of that pelvic floor is working. And then the last component of that method is three meaning all three planes. So the interesting part about the pelvic floor is, is that it is the only group of muscles in our bodies that have fibers that run in all three planes. And I'm not, um, 
super well versed on like all 3D, all that pertains to 3D. But what I do know is that we are a 3D individual living in a 3D world. And so to have muscles that run in all three planes, I don't, I know I'm biased. I don't know what other muscle group could be more important to our function than our pelvic floor that has all those fibers in all three planes. So I really like to incorporate all three planes somehow into that strengthening exercise. So what that looks like is of those four, you pick two, at least two components and put that together. And then that will create a pelvic floor strengthening exercise for you. So like I mentioned, the squatting and reaching overhead, well, that's B and that's A that's working your pelvic floor. And then if you change that reach, for example, like if you reach overhead across your body, like back behind you, well, now you've add, now you have an A, a B and a three in that exercise. And then you could tweak it a little bit and say, okay, well, rather than just doing a squat with my toes forward, you could change your foot position and change up that three component of your feet and still have that reach. So I hope that part's not too confusing, but just to really illustrate, you can take an act- any exercise and make it a pelvic floor strengthening exercise without necessarily needing a lot of direction on it. It's at least it's a good starting place. Well, so I guess my question is like, do you, I get, so I love to go to the gym and mm-hmm. I'm like, do I need to like intentionally think about my pelvic floor each time that I go, you know, like. Mm-hmm. As I'm, as I'm doing my exercises, I guess I just had never thought about, sure. Oh, I need to strengthen my pelvic floor. But what you're saying here is that you would recommend that us women do these exercises on a normal basis, because it's going to prevent a lot of problems. It's going to fix a lot of things that maybe have been damaged or not strong anymore. I guess, how often are you thinking that we should do these types of exercises? Good question. So what I typically tell people is if you feel like your pelvic floor is not strong enough now, I would spend at least 10 to 15 minutes, four to six times a week until you feel like things are normal. And this is assuming like you're not seeing somebody like me to help guide you and to really assess it. And then once you feel like you're in maintenance mode, meaning like, oh, I I think I'm, you know, I'm good to go. I feel so much better now. You can drop that um, down to three to five times a week. And I liked the question that you asked, well, if I'm going to the gym, should I be thinking about this? And I, because I believe that this needs to be a lifelong journey, I would, I tell everyone, especially as, as we go to move into maintenance mode, whether it's patients or my online clients, you get to decide what is best for you. I personally, while my brain thinks about the pelvic floor a lot, I like to do pelvic floor stuff at the end of my workout, not necessarily during, but I also have some moms that are like, listen, how can we pack a big punch with a short period of time? Can I make, and so I, I have a couple of program, not that, um, anyone needs to necessarily go buy that, but, but there's ways to incorporate pelvic floor strengthening into an exercise you're already doing. I would just encourage you. I think it's Confucius that said, know thyself, whatever is going to work best for you. And that you think is going to be the best fit do that. I have some moms that are like you and they like to be in the gym and they just prefer to do pelvic floor stuff at the end because they don't want to interrupt their workouts or maybe like how their trainers have set it up, but other moms want it sandwiched together and let's, you know, really make this a full body workout with that pelvic floor included. So I guess just like talking about the squats where you like reach across, (laughs) you know, or like reach up and stuff, do you squat and then stand up and reach? Or is it like you're reaching as you're squatting? Same time. So as you're squatting, you're reaching overhead. Okay. Or as you're squatting, you're reaching across or, you know, the other direction or behind you. So that's kind of just twisting your body a little bit more to Mm -hmm. kind of get different areas. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And so I guess what I'm trying to get at here is that moms could literally do this just at their home. Like if we're going to keep it simple, let's try Mm -hmm. to prevent problems with our pelvic floor. Yep. You know, instead of thinking that it has to be this really big thing that there are, are things we can do just at our home. Now tell me about your programs and like what kind of, what kind of stuff you have in there that might be of interest to 
us moms that are wanting to strengthen our pelvic floors? Oh, sure. Um, so I have a couple, I have a, a PDF that I just launched recently. Um, I can't remember what it's called. I'm happy to give you the link. Um, free. Cause I just think it's, it's so useful. I think it's like f- called four ways to strengthen your pelvic floor while cleaning the house. Cause again, we're probably all doing it. So we might as well take, take advantage of that. Um, and I think I have another, I think I have another pelvic, a week of pelvic floor strengthening also that I, that I'm happy to, to give you the link to as well. Um, just, just so that people can see that it, it, it doesn't have to be this big production of a program. Um, and I have, I have a couple of different options, but more, more relatable to probably what we're talking about here. Um, my, my big program, I call it eliminate the leakage because it's really designed for those moms who leak, but it's also my, what I would consider my foundational program that really takes all those components of the VAB3 method and really targets them and assumes that you have issues with your hip issues with your ankle issues with your back to kind of treat those out with exercises and with certain movements as you're trying to strengthen that pelvic floor along. So it's, it's a lot more robust. Um, but I also have, I mentioned, um, I created a program it's called no kegels fitness and it's seven full body workouts. And I feel like when we hear full body, we think, you know, back biceps, triceps, chest, core, and then legs, But in these, the full body actually includes your pelvic floor as well. So in each workout there, some of the exercises are changed a little bit to incorporate that pelvic floor. So it literally is a full body workout. Um, But I think kind of based on what we talked about today, um, those are some of the programs that I think would capture, or at least if they were interested in learning more. And the other part, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't add this. So while we're talking about the strengthening the pelvic floor, I will say that might even be getting ourselves a little ahead in the journey. The first phase, and this is the part that I think everyone misses, is that that pelvic floor, including if you had a scar from an episiotomy or tearing, your pelvic floor, because you had mentioned, oh, sometimes, you know, the muscles might be too tight, whether it's too tight, a scar that we have to address, those tissues have got to move. I call that phase one before you can start strengthening. So it doesn't really matter how much strengthening you're doing. If your scar is keeping you stuck, you're not going to be able to move on to that strengthening component. And I have a, um, I call it the no leakage starter kit. That's free too, just because I I feel like people miss out on that. And I want them to at least have that because you can figure out the rest of the strengthening on your own. But, um, that no leakage starter kit goes through that first step to help with that as well. Very interesting. Yeah. If you want to give me those links, I can put them in yeah, the show notes for, for the ladies. Um, cause I, I really do think this is important. I remember before I had children, so I'm a researcher. That's how mo- this all the podcast and mom training all came about. Um, but like I re I, I interviewed so many moms, like before I became a mom about, you know, different things they wish they would have known. And one that talked to me, I think she'd had like five kids when I had my first. So, um, is that like her doctor explained to her that like pelvic floor, now I want to hear your opinion on this. Cause this sounded scary to me that like, it's kind of like a glass floor. And if you break it, it's really hard to repair. And it's not as strong as if, you know, you would have kept the glass intact. So I guess my question is for the women that maybe have a pelvic floor that's struggling or that, you know, they, they, you know, maybe have that leakage you're talking about, or they have prolapse or something like that. Like what hope can you give to those people? Like, is it like damaged for good? And like, there's nothing we can do about it. Or is there ways for them to be able to heal and maybe avoid surgery or different things like that? So I guess I'm curious about that. Um, yeah, that's the, I, I hate when people say that because it's like saying, well, first our birthing is such a natural thing, right? Like we we're all designed to be able to do it. So to say like doing this beautiful thing that even nature does, and they seem to bounce back just fine. I I think that that's really awful (laughs) because we should be able to bounce back just fine. Um, I also, in my over 12 years of doing this, I don't feel like OBGYNs really understand the function of the pelvic floor and really what it does. 
because if you had shoulder surgery and they cut through that muscle to repair it and to, you know, to do all of that, which essentially is what's happening when you tear or have an episiotomy, they sit you right back up. But the difference is after shoulder surgery, you go to extensive physical therapy and rehab to recover. Nobody gives you that option necessarily after you have that baby. So to say, can you recover fully 100% from a shoulder surgery? Yes. Yes, you can. Can you recover totally in 100% even if you tore, even if you had an episiotomy, even if you had a long labor and delivery and everyone else in your life has said, well, yeah, I mean, that's the price to pay to have a baby. It's not true. It's just, it's not true. And it just seems so silly to me that we dismiss the pelvic floor as not being able to bounce back, especially for the reasons that I've already mentioned before about how that pelvic floor has a really big role in our lives. Yeah, that's really good to hear then. Cause I mean, even though like my, I feel like my pelvic floor is very strong. I've still been concerned about that because of that statement. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I, so thank you for clearing that up that like we can mm-hmm. heal our pelvic floor and like be restored to health again. Um, ladies, I just want to encourage you to go check out the stuff that Pauline is sharing about our pelvic floor, because it really is an important piece of us as women, especially if we've had babies, even if you've had C-section or vaginal birth or whatever it may be, you've had a lot of pressure, a lot of things that have changed in that area. And it's not really worth (laughs) ignoring the problems and them getting worse or having to deal with lots of things, especially as we get older. So definitely go. Um, Pauline, why don't you share what is your website and where they can go find your information? Yes. So my website is um, one word beyond the V by Polly, P-A-U-L-I.com. And Instagram is the, is beyond the V period by Polly. And I have a podcast, but everything you'll find it on Instagram or the website. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. I I'm going to try those squats and like moving my arms today. Like I'm totally going to do it. And I love doing that stuff. Like while I'm doing the dishes, I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do some squats or something. (laughs) So, um, thank you so much for sharing and for encouraging us that there is a place for healing there, you know, to get it moving again, to strengthen it again, and that we don't have to suffer as women. Like this is another part of self-care about that. We matter and we're, we're going to take care of ourselves really well. So. Thank you so much for sharing uh, with us and your story and everything. So ladies, I hope that you have found something in this podcast, this episode that you can take and apply to your life moving forward. I really believe that each woman needs to focus on their pelvic floor to prevent those problems and to also just be, you know, pain-free in different areas of their body because they've taken care of that central area that literally moves with everything in their body. I love that Pauline has said that. So all the links will be in the the show notes here. And we hope that you have a great rest of your day and we'll see you next Tuesday on the mom training podcast. Hey mama, thank you so much for hanging out with me and letting me be a part of your day. If you'd like to see how I apply some things that we talk about tips, some mom humor, or just to connect deeper, follow me on Instagram at Diana Ballard live. If this episode or any episode was helpful for you, please consider leaving me a review on Apple podcasts. It's literally the lifeblood for a podcaster and it helps me so much. If you'd like to learn more about me or mom training and how we can help you implement more things you learn here on the mom training podcast to make life flow smoother, to be more fulfilled and create and protect what you love, head to dianaballard.com. There are free downloads, online programs, our mom training membership with our monthly workshops and other resources to help you create the life you want. Thanks for tuning in. Know I'm always rooting for you and believe in you. I am Diana Ballard and this is the Mom Training Podcast.